you know, 15 or so years ago, it's entirely possible that your church small group, like thousands around the country, went through Focus on the Family's Truth Project with Del Tackett. The DVD series had an impact on millions of people, and now the tour guide is ready to present the follow-up. This morning, we're connecting with Dell about his new series, The Engagement Project, as well as his conference that's coming to Hastings in April. Dell, welcome to the Morning Conversation. It's a blessing to be with you. Yeah, so I've never met you, but I kind of feel like I have because uh, a number of years ago, I was exposed to the Truth Project. My whole small group went through it. I wanted everyone to go through it. It was just very impactful, very well done. I saw you a lot (laughs) during that window. Glad to actually officially meet you and have you in the conversation this morning. Well, it's my pleasure to be here with you. And, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, the Lord has really blessed the Truth Project and it's gone all Mm. over the world and semester or that over 20 million people have been through it. Wow. And so I feel bad about that because I always wanted to be able to interact with, mm. you know, the folks that are on the tour. But that's great. The Lord has, has really been gracious and kind to take it all over the world. Some are listening like, oh, yeah, I went through that or I'm going through it or some don't know. So tell us a little bit about the Truth Project. Well, okay, the Truth Project is a, a series of lessons. I guess I call them tours. There are 13 of them mm. and they're basically designed to help build uh, a comprehensive, systematic biblical worldview in the heart and mind of the believer. So we take people on a 360-degree view of life, uh, from philosophy and uh, history and science, um, what is truth, who is God, who is man, how has God designed social order, all of those things to help people say, this is what God has said, this is what how God has designed this, so that as we walk in the world around us. We will have uh, more of the eyes that God wants us to have as we see what's going on around. So often we as believers, we know the top line of truth, but we don't know the roots of that a lot. Christianity is not merely a blind faith, right? No, because remember the scripture that talks about people who don't have that root, you know, they get to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And we could say today, you could say we get tossed to and fro by every viral thing that sweeps (laughs) through, you know, our our media and and everything. And so that's exactly, the Lord burdened me a number of years ago for the state of the body of Christ. And, And that's what eventually led to the Lord moving me to do whatever I could to get the body of Christ healthy. And that meant, first of all, to try and help build those deep roots, mm. grow those roots uh, in the heart and mind of, of the body of Christ, because that we have to have that, because the world of flesh and the enemy are constantly bombarding us and pulling us uh, away. That's what Satan wants to do. What was the need that you were seeing, are seeing for a real fundamental understanding and teaching about a Christian worldview. It's that comprehensive view, first of all, that God has spoken in every area of life. I think one of the problems we've had in the Western church is that we have we have unwittingly, we'll say, shrunk Christianity down to a very small slice of life. And unfortunately, I think to some extent, we've created a little bit of an uh, equation in our minds, Stan, that says, okay, Christianity equals church attendance. Mm. When our Christianity just equals church attendance, then we we don't 
realize that God has spoken in all areas of life. He has given us the, the design for the state. We should view what happens in that arena through that design. He's the one who's given us a design for the family, and we should look at human sexuality and marriage and all of that through that that design. He's the one who's made us, uh, and we should look at anthropology, who is man through that lens, um, as as opposed to just the, you know, the very shallow, and you said it earlier, the very shallow way that the Western church has somehow kind of brought itself to this place where we do get tossed to and fro. And so I think that is one of the key things that has to happen. We have to reinculcate that deep-rooted biblical worldview. So, Dell, we've kind of been throwing out this phrase, worldview, Christian worldview. It's somewhat self-explanatory, but let's be a little bit more clear for our listeners this morning. When we talk about a Christian worldview and the importance of that. Some people have uh, have reduced it to a very short phrase that it's like the lens you look through. I think it's more complicated than that. So, I think there is a formal worldview, and that consists of the truth claims that purported to paint a picture of reality. So you could go to a library and pull out a book on Marxism, for example, and it would it would describe all the truth claims that Marx and Engels had. Or you could pull out uh, a book on Islam, and it would have all the truth claims. Or you could pull out the Bible, or maybe a systematic theological textbook, and we have all those truth claims. And uh, now, so that's a formal worldview. But I'm I'm. I'm interested in the personal worldview. So I think, Stan, what that is, is what does your heart tell you is really real? Uh, You know, what are the truth claims that you have bought so deeply that you believe they reflect what is really real? (laughs) If I believe, for for example, I could take you to the to the bedside of a young woman in the hospital who's who's down about ninety pounds, (laughs) and she may be a believer in Jesus Christ, but she also believes that if she's not a little thinner than she is now, she's not acceptable. (laughs) So that's a truth claim she has bought so deeply that she believes it's real. It directs how she thinks, how she. She acts even her how she feels. So that's that personal worldview that I'm interested. I'm not interested if you can get a hundred percent on the Bible quiz. <laughs> although I guess I am. You can't. You know, you can't believe what you don't know. But you know, what I'm talking about. We we can be satisfied by saying that our our kids got a hundred percent on the Bible test, but they may not believe a word of it. Dell, as we're talking about having a Christian worldview, again, many people probably have heard that phrase. We've kind of explained it a little bit. How would I know if I did or not? Like, so I'm listening this morning and I'm going, I think I, I believe in God and I believe in the Bible and I go to church. And so how would I know whether I have a solid biblical worldview or not? Hmm. Well, I'm not sure, Stan, that we can put uh, any kind of objective test on that. Mm-hmm. But here's what I would say, and that is that there is a difference, as we just said, between being able to answer the questions. The You know, I call that, by the way, that's the third one. I call that the professed worldview. That's the profession we make. For example, when we go to church and the pastor stands up and says, God is good, we say all the time, you know, and then we drive home and our house is burned down Mm -hmm. and we're going to see if we believe that God is good all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I call this, uh, you know, uh, shaking your cup. (laughs) What comes out of the cup when it gets bumped? And, And so... 
how do we assess what kind of a biblical worldview we have? I think we assess it by how we respond to what goes on around us. What is our thinking associated with what is happening? Mm -hmm. When we see people say things, if a boy believes that he's a cat, how do we respond to that? What's our thinking? Mm -hmm. Do we think that, well, if he thinks he's a cat, then we ought to affirm that? Or do we say there's something wrong here? That can stir up a lot of dust, I know, right now. But the answer, I think, is how do I respond? That's what I look at myself, you know. How do I respond to someone who says something that may be critical of me? Do I respond, you know, with my dukes up or I get angry or bitter inside? Maybe I don't say anything. Uh, and then I have to go home and say, oh, what's my worldview? Do I think mm -hmm. that I'm that important? You know, Do I think it's all about me or do I think it's all about him mm -hmm. and what he he wants to do through me. Dell, your analogy that you're sharing about the cop, actually, I use that a lot. I talk about that a lot. I actually did it just this last week at our premarital class that my wife and I co-host. And I, cause I talk about how marriage can shake you up. <laughs> and yes. and yeah. whatever it is, when you get shaken, so I, I kind of set people up. I go, if I shake this, this cup of water and water comes out, why did water come out? And they, and they say, well, I go, that's the answer I want you to say. It's the wrong answer. <laughs> like the reason water came out is because water was in it, right? If Kool-Aid would have been in it and I would have shaken it, water wouldn't have come out. Kool-Aid would have come out. So I like what you're saying in terms of, hey, when you're shaken, whatever it is that's doing the shaking, whether it's the culture, prevailing culture perspective, whether it is crisis in your life. I think back to my wife. I've always, I don't know why I haven't thought about this in a long time, but my wife and I were like 30 years ago, we're driving, ended up in the ditch going about 70 miles an hour, could have very easily flipped. And my wife's knee jerk reaction was audibly to call out to Jesus. Like in that moment, she called out to Jesus. And I thought, man, I've never forgotten that. And Stan, I think that I want a great, great picture there because we need to train ourselves. We're not perfect. You know, we're going to get bumped and we're going to see things come out that we don't like. But that's part of our sanctification process, part of our training. But we need to see that. We need to say, okay, what what is my thinking that causes me to react that way? And oftentimes, I'll tell you this, I don't want to oversimplify it, but oftentimes the answer is selfishness. You know, my self-centeredness, my selfishness is what usually ends up coming out. So Jesus has to keep telling me, you know, hey, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Well, you know, that that phrase, deny yourself, that doesn't fly in our culture today, right? It's affirm yourself as opposed to you say, look, I'll, let me tell you, let me tell you what is at the end of that narrow road. It's life and it's peace. And what's written on that gate? Deny yourself and come follow me. But the world is saying, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's all about you. You know, affirm yourself. But that broad path leads to death and destruction. So, Della, we talked quite a bit about the Truth Project this morning and the kind of underpinnings of it. Talk to us about your latest work that you're involved with, the Engagement Project. Yes, the Engagement Project is the is really the next step. In other words, we can say, well, great, I have a biblical worldview. It may not be perfect, but I've, I'm working on that. Is that the end game? In other words, is, does, does God say, you know, truth is the end game? And, and I would say, no, it isn't. The engagement project is really to say, okay, this, what Jesus wants us to know truth for. The big scheme of things there is to is to say, look, in the Western church in particular, the body of Christ, uh, we've got things 
upside down again. We're, we're more of a, you know, I'll just say it, we're more of a pre-reformational form. So, you know, the mass of people, we show up on Sunday, kind of like that equation, you know, we said, okay, this is what we do as Christians, we go to church and uh, we get sprinkled and, and put money in the coffer and then we leave. The royal law, in other words, the Jesus law, as we read in James 2.8, the royal law says that we are to love our neighbor. And Paul twice says, everything is summed up in this one thing, love your neighbor. And and yet we don't, in many cases, don't even know the names of our neighbor, let alone what is Miss Smith, Mrs. Smith across the street suffering from? Why is she a bitter old woman? And I bring Mrs. Smith's name before the throne of God, and I, and I carry out the royal law. The engagement project is to systematically go through a biblical worldview again, hungering and looking for what I believe is the crown jewel in the nature of God, and it's in that context that we finally then examine what did Jesus mean when he said, I'll tell you, I'll boil everything down for you. It's love God and love your neighbor. And I don't think that was just a banner that he wanted us to hang up in church. I think it was literally true. And for the first 200 years, that is how the church spread, because they believe that's what Jesus told them to do. I'm just trying to call people back to the vision of who you are in Christ. Plummer and his wife and kids, when they come to church, they need to be told, you have been entrusted with the primary work of the kingdom. Do you understand that? And that's what that would be the summation of the engagement project. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I've, I've chewed on this quite a bit here over the last year because you talk a lot about being salt and light, right? And one of the places that that comes out is in Matthew 5. The context of being salt and light is in the context of being persecuted. (laughs) Seem like they go together. And when you think about the culture that you're in right now, we're in right now, where to stand for truth, you get smacked. It really made sense to me. Am I reading something in the scripture inappropriately or is that accurate context? Practically thinking, uh, it's like Jesus saying, if you love those who love you, well, I... Where does the Christian stand out? Where does the light of the Christian stand out? It's in darkness. If you turn your flashlight on at noon here in the Rocky Mountains when it's blue skies and sunshine, you may have to check to see if it's really on. But I guarantee you out in the middle of the night, you know, when it is pitch black and you turn that light on, everybody around you will know you turned that on. And so I think there is something to that. Uh, We're going to be talking, looking at the culture around us, and and we're going to talk about just the state of the culture around us. And that's not for us to wring our hands. That's for us to actually say, wow, you know, this is the moment. This is the time that we are made for. This is why we're here. This is why God has left a remnant in this land. Because the light is is more needed than ever. You know, the salt in, in, a, in, a, in a land where everything is tasteless, this is the time for the body of Christ. So, Dell, you are coming. Tell us about that event. What can we expect? Who is it applicable to? I know you've got far more content than you can even begin to get into on that one day, but like, what's that day going to be like? We'll be doing three sections. The first two sections are going to go through what I call uh, the seven threats, the storm fronts that are lining in our culture today. Uh, we will talk about the rise of, of the scoffer and the depraved mind and the loss of the noble male and the and the virtuous female, the rise of malevolent compassion. We'll, but we will do that in the context of then saying, what is the way forward here? We don't look at all of this because I want people to understand from a biblical worldview 
what is happening? You know, the scripture says, don't don't act as if there is something strange happening to you. Okay, there isn't anything really strange here, but we do need to understand it. And so that's what we'll do the first two hours. But then the last hours, I'm going to be bold and say, I think there's only one way forward. There's only one way forward, and it's not doing what we've been doing. You know, we have to do what Jesus asks us to do. It's the only way we're going to break through. That's the context of Saturday morning. Well, Dell, this has been great. <laughs> we know that millions were impacted impacted by the Truth Project, and we can only imagine how God will use your next project, the Engagement Project. It will be great having you in Hastings for your event on Saturday, April 6th, and we've got the details for that event on our calendar. Dell, thank you for spending the morning with us. I am excited about it as well. I uh, hope we get to meet a, a lot of great Nebraska folks there.